Good afternoon. Welcome to the Conan Kruger Show. That's, I don't even know if that's what it's called. I'm Grant Cohn. That's Larry Kruger. We're going to be talking about the pecking order of this quarterback competition, whether it's going to be a legit quarterback competition, because they rarely are. But this one might be. We're going to talk about that, but we're going to start with the logistics of the schedule. Um, we've been looking at it for the last couple of weeks, and I know every fan has their prediction for what's going to happen, but you got to admit it's a really tough schedule. And there's another way to look at it in terms of rest. Larry, break it down for us. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, <clears throat> Warren Sharp, who I guess puts together just just reams and reams of data. I don't know if you've watched, looked at all the stuff that he writes. But he basically um, had an interesting breakdown today on the rest advantages that each team has. And, I, you know, this is really a deep dive. But it kind of goes to show that the NFL, if they want, can kind of manipulate things to give a team, if they want, more rest in a situation or less rest, depending on how the situation is scheduled. And one of the teams that they're giving tons of additional rest this year to are the New York Jets. The Jets have a plus 12 uh, total days of extra rest versus team opponents over the course of the season. The Jets, I guess the, the NFL Bears, wants Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs, huh? Or exactly, you know, at least, or they want the Jets at least to be interesting and have a chance at the playoffs. The Niners are uh, on the other end of the spectrum. They're minus twenty, minus twenty. So they're they're getting a lot less rest than a lot of teams. So it it, it is interesting, though. I mean, the Jets don't. I mean, give you an example. Um, the Jets. You know, they they play outside of their stadium only twice and they don't leave New York um, out only only seven games are outside of New York. They don't play a single AFC East game with a rest disadvantage. Then it goes. The, the Chiefs, by comparison, are looking on the other side of things. Kansas City plays six straight games with less rest than their opponent. Six. So, I mean, that the, the, obviously the Chiefs. You know, every single game the Chiefs play is a rest disadvantage. Um, and it's 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 when it comes to the Niners, the Niners have a minus 20 days of net rest uh, situation. Four games versus teams off a bye, highlighted by playing the toughest team, the Bengals, uh, when the 49ers are off of short rest, a short week playing the prior Monday on the road, and Cincinnati's off a bye with 14 days of rest. But it gets worse. The Niners also play Seattle late in the year, week 14, when the Seahawks are off a mini bye. So San Francisco plays five games from week six onward versus teams off a full bye or a mini bye. And then week 16, the Niners play on Monday Night Football, then travel across the country for a 1 p.m. kick uh, in D.C. or in Maryland against the Commanders. So, I mean, I, it's, I don't know if it's, if it's something that they – if they plan it this way, if it's just the way the, the schedule shakes out, but it's obviously a factor. It's obviously a factor. So yeah, I don't know. Combine the lack matters. of rest. Right. You combine the lack of rest with the fact that uh, the Niners have like six cross-country trips. And I, I wouldn't say that it's unfair. It just, it, to me, it highlights the difference with last year. 
last year was a pretty easy schedule with uh, a not much travel. And right. when late. people think about the Niners last year, they were 13 and four. But part of the reason they were 13 and four was how favorable their schedule broke toward the end. I don't know that it's necessary. So what's interesting about it, the team is like, take a 13-win team, add Javon Hargrave, figure this is a better team on paper. But when you go through week by week, I mean, I see 10 or 11 wins, maybe 12 if things really break their way. But they could be a better team and win fewer games simply because of this schedule. It's really tough. It is a tough schedule. And then, and also, you know, this, this, you know, in 2023, there's going to be 95 games, Grant, that are, will be played where a team has more rest than their opponent. That is the most in the history of the NFL. But even worse than the total of games, it's the lack of balance. For example, last year in 2022, one team played five plus games with more rest than their opponent. This year, five teams play with five plus games of where, where they have more rest than their opponent. So, I mean, it just, it just kind of shows that there are different ways that maybe are not readily apparent to the casual fan that unless you do a deep dive on the schedule itself, you can't really see where the advantages lie. But rest, as you know, is a major part of, of an advantage. Teams talk, coaches talk about it all the time. Oh, you know what? We played on Monday. They played on Sunday. You know, we have one less day to prepare. That is significant to NFL coaching staffs. Right, and what this stat says is that the Niners essentially got screwed. Right. Like, no one has less rest than them. They have negative 20 net days of rest compared to everyone else. Like, by far the worst. Second worst is the Rams at negative 17. So, clearly, it's a West Coast bias. That's what we're seeing. They're biased against California in general. It's yeah, California the, Rams, the Rams are minus 17. So just, you know, so they're, they're a little bit better off than the Niners, but the Eagles are minus six. Um, and then you've got teams like the Jets, Bears and, and commanders who are plus 12, Tennessee's plus 11, Baltimore's plus nine. I mean, it's so, I mean, it matters. It matters now. How much does it matter? I mean, you know, the schedule is a futile exercise because we don't even know who's going to be healthy. You know, um, and health is a major. But isn't this factor. tied? To, that's what I wanted to say. Like, isn't this tied together? Like, this is a team that has trouble staying healthy. They got right. healthy last year, and it coincided with not a lot of travel. Well, you have the least amount of rest in the league and a six cross country trips. This kind of feels like a season that's going to be injury plague. I feel like the 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 excuses are already piling up. Well, we didn't get any rest. We we have a tough schedule. Oh well, the injuries piled up. Okay, is this going to be twenty ten all over again? I hope not, because that season stunk. Yeah, I mean, I hope not, too. Um, and that kind of leads us towards the whole quarterback thing. But, yeah, I mean, the, the 49ers have had mul- you know, min- multiple seasons ruined by either injuries to their roster or injuries to their quarterback. And, I don't, you know, I, to the point where I don't think anybody even wants to hear the excuses anymore. It's just like, you know right. what? Just play. I know. Because because if the injuries pile up, then the Niners could point to this and be like, well, we got screwed. And this is a direct result of, of us not having enough rest. But I think even Niner fans at this point don't want to hear the excuses. They've they've lived through this before. They expect the, the, the Niners not to take a step back this year. And I, I don't know how the media and fans would react if the Niners missed the playoffs after signing Javon Hargrave. Like, you have three quarterbacks you say you like. You got to find a way, no matter how bad the schedule is, to make the playoffs. No? I don't want well, to hear how would you, forget the fans. How would Jed react? How right. would Dr. John and Denise react? You know, I mean, they cut a lot roll? of money on this 
on this roster, right? Like they just restructured McCaffrey's deal that put money in his pocket. Like they've they just spent a big signing bonus on Javon Hargrave. They're they're in it to win right now, no doubt. No doubt. And I'll, I'll say this. If I didn't do a great job of laying that out there, I would just say to anybody, go follow Warren Sharp on on yeah. Twitter and go through and read. Because he put out about 15 tweets and he touched on a number of different teams around the league. Um, and you can read his methodology and you can see, you know, you can count for yourself. But this is the story that kind of is so, I don't want to say convoluted, but it's so detail rich that it really doesn't sell well in any kind of discussion forum but it's a major it has a major impact on who wins and loses in the nfl there's no question about it yeah absolutely um all right let's talk quarterback yeah so they're gonna have a quarterback competition and i always wonder like are you really gonna do it like that you don't have that many reps time is of the essence but they they're talking like they're going to do you feel like this is a this is a dog and pony show like it, the winner's already been decided or that this, the results of these practices matter for these quarterbacks. I mean, I don't want to be so cynical and say, ah, oh, none of it matters. It's all for show. But I, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know. I'm not really sure. I mean, on one hand, the, you know, Shanahan Lynch, Jed, everybody with a microphone in front of them had this off season has stated that, you know, Brock's their leader. Brock's their guy. They're going with Brock. So they've stated that up front. But then Shanahan, as speaking at the Dwight Clark event, made it per made it sound perfectly, uh, you know, viable for for, you know, that it's going to be a competition that, you know, Trey's going to get an opportunity to win his job back. Um, and that's the way it's going to go. So and then, of course, we know how much Shanahan has talked up Sam Darnold. Um, and, and, you know, Matt Mayoko through you know, Shanahan through Matt Mayoko is to, you know, touting, uh, Darnold as, as this incredible, um, prospect, despite the fact that he's been a failed top five pick to this point in history. I mean, you know, there's nothing that really tells us anything other than, Hey, we like him. Okay, great. But the stats say he's not very good. And it's not like it's one year either. We're talking about this is year five for, for Sam Darnold. So are they going to, I don't know. I mean, what's your take on this? Do you think, are we, are we going to see a legitimate competition between Darnold and Lance and a legitimate competition for the number one job between the three of the, the three quarterbacks, or have they already decided that Brock's their one and Trey's their two or Darnold's their two and Trey's their three or Darnold's the three. I think we know that the fourth guy is the fourth guy, but what, what do you think? Do you think we're going to see a legitimate competition? It seems to me that it just, they, that could not be what they want. Do they really want every day the media to descend on camp? And it sounds like Brock Purdy in the minds of Shanahan grant may be ready to go by camp. So we could theoretically see a Brock, Trey, Darnold daily update on how things went in camp and who looks good and who looks second best and who, you know what I mean? I mean, is, is this, are they going to let this organically play out and not have um, a leader in the clubhouse or do they not want that? Are they saying that just because they think it sounds better and they've already mapped out their, their pecking order and their depth chart? I don't know. Yeah. The way I see it is 
if you ask John Lynch, he'll make it sound like Brock's going to be there for the beginning of training camp. So this is like an OTA sideshow, what's going on between Trey Lance and, and Sam Darnold. From, from John Lynch's perspective, this is Brock's team. Brock's not the next Fran Tarkenton. He's great. He's special. Nothing to talk about. From Kyle's perspective, he talks about it way differently. Kyle's perspective, he says, yeah, that would be the case if Brock hadn't gotten injured, but he did. So that complicates things. And so from Kyle's perspective, and I think it's the only perspective that really matters, I think John might be one who like talks to media people off the record, but I don't think Kyle does, and it's Kyle's call. I think he actually is open-minded here, which is kind of scary. I think he really has put all three of these quarterbacks on the same playing field. Like, yeah, Brock's great, but he's only had eight starts, and he's hurt. Like, Trey, yeah, he's had a rough start, but I like him, and I'm not going to write him off, and I like Sam too. So you know what? Let's roll out the balls and see what happens, which is amazing because, I mean, I don't think most coaches would do it, but I feel like Kyle has the license and leash to do whatever the hell he wants on this team. And if he feels that, here's, here's one way to look at it. He has competition at every single position, but he's never really had a quarterback competition. And there's been some controversy in the locker room about how legitimate is this person? Like, okay, let's freaking compete and have no question anymore. Maybe it's what this team needs. It's really interesting because it's like, on one hand, you could say, hey, they're clearly hedging on all three guys. They're hedging on Brock's health, Trey's development, Sam's development. Um, or you could look at it and say, look, guys, they just went through four quarterbacks. They didn't. They ran out of quarterbacks in, in one step from the Super Bowl. This season's all about yeah. one thing and one thing only, protecting themselves at quarterback from injuries that in their, invariably are coming up. And then the other side of it is like, maybe they actually – really want to have an open competition this summer and um and let it, I mean I'll say this I can't remember a head coach that was given <clears throat> this long of a leash to find his quarterback um I got to think that Kyle Shanahan wants to get some closure on the competition and pick a guy and go with that guy but maybe not maybe he wants to just play these guys off each other and have it be a three ring daily circus because i think that's potentially what it could be yeah i mean it could be a circus but at the same time it could be the end of the drama because it, it seems like even like the culture he's created on this team is they can never agree about the quarterback they're always arguing about who the quarterback should be like oh trey didn't earn it or or jimmy isn't good enough like enough of this constant complaining and arguing infighting Let, let's just get a, a real quarterback competition and have someone earn it the way the left guard would have to earn it. The right tackle would have to earn it. Let, let's just have this quarterback position fit into the rest of the culture that we've created because so far he hasn't like the way they tried to anoint Trey Lance seemed to bother a lot of people last year. Let's get rid of that. Let's not anoint any of these quarterbacks because if we do half the fan base, half the team is going to have a lot to say about it. Let's just have, let's put an end to this. What what else would you do if you were Kyle Shanahan and you've created this this culture? Well, it's weird because it's like it's weird. Okay, it is weird because like I if you tell me that you know take a, another competition, uh, right guard from last yep. year, Spencer Burford is way better than Daniel Brunskill, or then somebody else argued, you know what? No, no, no. Bur Burford's a rookie. Brunskill's the smartest offensive lineman. You need to have real football experience there brun skills the better guy 
Well, it's only it's right guard, so we're just we're just gonna wait for Forrester to tell us who he's playing, and then we're all, all right. gonna be like, all right, we'll see if it works, and then we right. just kind of go from there. But in this situation, what if this it right. this competition grant works if there's a clear winner? Yeah. If if it's Brock has a good series, but man, Darnold had a great quarter. Oh, but man, Trey had a phenomenal second half. But yeah, but Brock yeah. looked so good in camp. But you know what? The team has scored the most points with Darnold. But yeah, but they've got the most yardage with yeah. with Lance. You know what I'm saying? If it's murky, then what? You and know, it's, if just it's, more if it's, it's just more drama. It's just more drama, and it, it hangs over the whole team. And you're trying to build a team where the quarterback's just one of the guys, and you can win with any. And it, and it's like it's too much. And I think that's Kyle's thing. He it works in theory, but in the reality, it's just too much drama. And I think Kyle doesn't think about those things. And maybe he thinks he can control these things, but really it's bigger than him. And he coaches essentially like Cowboys West. He doesn't, he's not with the Falcons anymore, man. You're not flying under the radar. Every single thing you do is scrutinized on the 49ers and having a quarterback competition. It could just be only losers. That's the thing that the result could be a bunch of losers from this quarterback competition. If everyone's inconsistent, if one day Trey's good, one day Sam's good, I mean, and Brock's not even there, like, oh, did you have a winner or did you just get two guys not really ready for the season? Or, you know, what's going to happen is we're all going to watch practice and then we're going to go in and we're going to talk to people and then all of a sudden it's going to be like, well, you know what? George Kittle is one of the most respected guys in this offense and he says, you know, Trey's the guy. You know, oh, really? Because I, I just talked to Trent Williams and Trent Williams is probably the senior member of the offense. And he just said incredible things about Sam Darnold. Oh, really? Because I just talked to, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Lynch in the hallway and he said that he thought Brock's never looked better. I mean, you know, this yeah. potentially could divide the yeah. media, the fan base and the, country. the locker room. The country, the country, and all, and it could come down to the mail-in ballots. It could come down to the mail-in ballots. It really the could. hanging Chad. No, but, you know, hang the, the the other thing is, let's not ignore the obvious. This is maybe the sexiest uh, subplot in the entire league. So the NFL Network's oh, yeah. going to park their story, their trucks on on the lot, and yeah, it's know, we be will. A, seriously, we're going to be there. Everybody's going to be there. Everybody's going to be talking about it. So, I, and that's why I every other believe. coach wouldn't do it. That's why every other coach wouldn't do it and why no other team's going to actually have a quarterback competition. But you know what? It's Kyle. Kyle Kyle goes, you know, dances to the beat of his own drum and that's one of the things I like about him. And I'm really hoping it's a legit competition because if it's a sham, I'm going to be mad, Kyle. Mad. You won't like me when I'm mad. Uh, well, I mean, you know the old saying, if you if you have two quarterbacks, it's really you have none. Well, they just they said, you know what? Screw that. We'll go three. We got three. <laughs> we got three. We got four. Hey, what, why, why are you counting out Brandon Allen? The man is 30 years old. It, this right. is his. Maybe he's the next Geno Smith. Never hey, gotten an opportunity. Hey, guys. Clayton Thorson's a phone call away. A phone he call lit away. It up. Lit it up. The lit coach up. says, I'd be interested in what Coach Wilkes thinks of Sam after all. He's the last guy to see him in the raw. Did we get Sam before or after hiring Wilkes? After. after and what i wanted and to say him, was right? you were there like wilkes did an interview on the podium and they did an informal another 10 minutes and i don't think any of us were recording but we asked him and he said I re he really likes sam and i have a feeling one of the main reasons they brought sam here is because of how much wilkes likes him yeah because wilkes's yeah. job is to stop him and you know at least you know he's a defensive coach and so he's looking at things with a critical eye 
And so, yeah, he, it, you know, I'm sure Shanahan probably said to him, Hey, look, what'd you think about going up against him? Tell me about his work habits. Tell me about his pros. Tell me about his cons. They probably felt buoyed, uh, you know, in their design. I mean, you know, Shanahan liked Darnold anyway. And it sounds like McCaffrey probably is buddies with Darnold. So he's probably pushing for it. But Wilkes was probably the the clincher, right? What, what, what Wilkes was, I believe, if I remember correctly, talking about was, look, the team was tanking. They traded McCaffrey. They had nothing to play for. But Darnold came back and and, and played hard and won four of, of six games. So that it doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be Mahomes, but it does speak to his professionalism. The season was over. He came back and was all in on winning, which was important because a lot of football players wouldn't be like, you know, we got the next contract to think about. I don't really, I want, that'd be business decision central on most teams, but Wilkes was trying to win. He was trying to get that job and Darnold helped him. So I, I could see why he would have fond feelings for Sam. Yeah. I mean, uh, and, and Sam did play pretty well. I mean, you, uh, I can, the highlight Man, reel was impressive. Um, he, he did some good, some positive things in those final six games, but it wasn't yeah. all positive, but you know, and, and, and how, what kind of a standard does Wilkes have? I mean, does Wilkes have a, did he have a low standard? Was he expecting nothing and got a little, or was he expecting a lot and got more? We don't really know what his expectations were. Cause that's always a part of the equation, but yeah, he seemed to be totally positive about what Sam's value proposition is to any team he's on. So so maybe don't defensive maybe coaches gonna... usually think of quarterbacks the same way. It's kind of like a, are you going to lose the game for me? Kind of a look, you know what I mean? Like, I, okay, you're a playmaker, but how many plays are you going to make that cost me the freaking game, buddy? Like that's usually how defensive coaches think. And I feel like from his perspective, Hey, we freaking won with this guy. Like now we, we weren't winning because of Sam. They were winning because of their running game and their defense. But I, I, he wasn't losing the game the way he was in Je- uh, under Matt Rule and, and with the Jets. So that's something. At least he was a game manager. You could win. I mean, with there's them. no question that Carolina had a better uh, surrounding cast than the Jets, and it, there's no question that the Niners have a better surrounding cast than the Panthers. Yeah. So maybe. So if the, so maybe if the Panthers Arnold's, can win with Sam, yeah. maybe the Niners can win with Sam, not because of Sam. Or maybe because of Sam. I mean, they, the way they talk about the, the way he throws the football, <laughs> they make it seem like they've never seen anybody throw a football like that in their lives. So I feel like people used to say that about Blaine Gabbert. I mean, they definitely said it about Jeff George once upon a time, and he wasn't any good. So Jeff, I don't know if it Jim matters. Druckenmiller had a cannon. Cannon. Howitzer. Druck's got a howitzer. <laughs> Druck. That Druck was started his, one game in the himself. NFL? Yeah, against Woo. the Rams. Yeah, on the it? road. And, the, and I think the Niners either won or lost, but it was 15 to 12 or something like that. I was a kid at the time. I was a fan of the team. And I remember before the game, Kevin Green was on the team. And I don't know if he was hurt that day, but he went up to Druckenmiller and headbutted him and may have concussed him. Do you remember that? <laughs> no, I don't. But I do I remember like my first conversation yeah. with Druck. I, I said to him, I'm like, hey, man, I'd love to do a couple minutes with you. And he's like, yard, dude. And Walsh was back with the Niners at that time. He's like, Walsh is all over my ass, dude. This playbook is is vast. It's vast. <laughs> he's like grabbing it. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the other people. And I'm like, oh, my this God, this screwed. team went from Joe Montana to Steve Young to this guy. I mean, he was just, oh man, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was a low point. All right. So sticking with this quarterback competition, how do you think the quarterback reps will be split up? I mean, if it's a legit quarterback competition, it's 50, 50. If it's not, it'll be some other, uh, mix. How do you, what's your best guess? 
Um, my guess is 70, 30 Lance. I, I don't think you can go 50, 50. Come on. You, one guy you just signed off the street. Who's been a failed player. The other guy you invested a lot in, come on. You're going to really, you're really going to make Trey Lance go 50, 50 with Sam Darnold. I think it's 70, 30. I think it's 70, 30 Lance. And, and, and if it's not 60, 40 Lance, <laughs> I'd be, I'd be, I'd be like, wow, that, that to me, if it's 50, 50, that really is a negative statement about Trey Lance. Cause you gotta remember this Trey Lance theoretically knows the offense better than Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold has been in the offense for weeks. Trey Lance has been in this offense for years. Now that's, that has to matter that if they're 50, 50, that'll be a bad sign. Bad sign. I think. It'll matter in OTAs, and I think you're right about OTAs. I think it'll be 70-30 in OTAs for all the reasons you just laid out. But Trey 70-30 Trey. 70-30 yes. Trey, yeah. yeah. Yes, because that, that starts in a week, and right. Sam's been here for a couple months. If that, sure, absolutely. Training camp's different, though, because in OTAs, you sort of you essentially install the offense, and then you come back for a training camp, and you do it again. It's your second time installing the offense. And so I could see it being a 50-50 split especially if Trey's inconsistent in training camp and the, in, in OTAs. And the thing about OTAs is we won't really know. We'll be there for like one day a week, but they'll practice three or four days a week, and he could he could be good in front of us and bad the other four, three days, which I think may have happened last year. Like in front of us, he was good, but I think on the other days, he may have been experiencing arm fatigue and stuff like that. So we don't know. They might look at him in OTAs and be like, you know what? This needs to be a 50-50 competition in training camp. That would be wild. I mean, I'll tell you what I'm looking for this summer. I'm looking for how many plays does the does the play go to, you know, go all the way through and Trey's still holding the ball. Mm-hmm. Because he that yeah. happened a lot last year and that's not what what that's not by design. So that's one. The other one I'm looking for is how many layups does Sam miss versus Trey? Layups. Mm-hmm. I mean, in most of its layups, right? It's very infrequently that they take shots down the field. It's a lot of stuff within five yards of the line of scrimmage. You got to hit those. You got to hit right. guys. You got to hit them in stride. And you can't airmail that. You can't. It can't. How many do you know? Are they in the same range accuracy wise? That's right. what I'm looking for. Right. With, with, I was, with Trey in particular, like we've seen him extend plays, scramble, throw deep. All that's nice. But to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, you also have to be able to get the ball out of your hands quickly. You know, you have to, you, you, not everything can be a broken play, a long play, a scramble. Like, what about, like, to your point, all those quick throws that Kyle Shanahan schemes up, they're open, they're layups. Like, do you hit them on time? Your rhythm, your timing, and your accuracy on, on, the, on the short stuff. Because if you can't do that, you're not a starting quarterback in the NFL. So that's right. definitely one thing to look at with him. And then with Darnold, like, I guess the turnover thing, like the guys had a problem fumbling. Now it may, we, we may not see this. He he may be just phenomenal in practice, but I, I'm kind of curious to see what it looks like when the game start. Cause like Hoyer, remember Brian, Brian Hoyer was great in practice with the, with the 49ers. And then as soon as the season start started, he got hit a couple times and it was bad, really bad. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you the other thing I'm looking for is there's a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL that can throw. And there's a lot of NF, a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL that can move, but how many guys can throw accurately on the move? 
That's what we, I mean, that's what made Roethlisberger, Roethlisberger. It's what made Breeze, Breeze. I think it's one of the great skills of uh, Purdy is that he's, he's very accurate on the move. I know Trey can move. I think Darnold can move too, but can they throw with accuracy while moving? Because that's a big part of it. You got to be able to throw on the move because you're going to be you're going to be flushed out. There's a, there's very few times you're going to be able to set up in the middle of the pocket, plant your feet, step into your throw. Especially on this team, especially yeah, on I mean, this team. Yeah, <laughs> and it's but I mean it's just the NFL with all these super fast uh, defensive players. You got to be able to throw with accuracy on the run, and maybe not full full sprint, but at least while moving within the pocket, you got to throw with accuracy. I want to see if Darnold can do it. I want to see if Trey can do it. Absolutely. I mean, it's going to be interesting. We're going to be charting their throws daily. And Ramp stats. We're, I mean, if it's a 50-50 <laughs> split, like we it, it's almost like the the media is going to determine the winner. Like Kyle, if you just roll out the balls and and let it go, it's not he may not be able to make a decision. It's it just going to go to whoever completes more passes and throws more touchdown passes in practice. Well, that's my question to you. Do you think that Kyle wants to make this decision? Or have this decision made for him? I think he wants to have the decision made for him. That's what I'm saying. I don't think he wants to make this decision. I don't think he I wants know, to I'm overrule. I know, I'm getting that vibe too. I don't think he wants to overrule his leadership council, his Cabo click. Like, he doesn't want to force it. Because he did last year. He forced Trey Lance on this team when a lot of people wanted Jimmy. And I think he felt that put Trey in an unfair position, which it did. So now, you know what? Let the decision make itself. And if it's Sam Darnold week one, okay, fair. So be it. Let's go with Sam. That doesn't mean it'll be Sam Darnold week two. And that's right. that that is another ba- uh you know potential backfiring of this plan is if Kyle doesn't have conviction in any of these quarterbacks and he has a, a, a competition and one guy wins for week one and loses in Pittsburgh, are you gonna pull the plug and go to some other guy week two? Are you just gonna constantly is it gonna be like a rotisserie because you don't like any of them? You know, and 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 then if it's really, really close. How does he play his hand? Like, for example, right. in my mind, Grant, that that Pittsburgh week one game, I don't want to say it's a loss, but history says it's a loss. I mean, I think right. Pittsburgh's had like 15 years of Heinz Field. They're like 13 and two or something like that in their first home game. And, and you know Tom is going to have his guys ready to go. No question. Kyle, and the first yeah. home games week one, they're eight and one. Yeah. So yeah. what if what if uh, what if we feel like, you know what? Darnold looked better than Trey, but he says, you know, maybe let's say Darnold looks better than Trey leads the team better in the preseason produces more points when they're on the field, the team by all great ways to analyze the thing. Darnold looks Darnold wins. Darnold goes to Pittsburgh. Trey starts week one. What are people going to be saying? I I see. I don't think Kyle wants to put, I don't want, I don't think Kyle wants to put Trey. I don't think Kyle wants to put Trey in that position. I think Kyle would go with Sam Darnold in that position. But my what's interesting to me is let's say Sam Darnold wins a fair and square quarterback competition, starts week one, and, and the offense puts up 10 points and loses because that's what the Niners are. I mean, there's a world where whoever wins this quarterback competition is going to go to Pittsburgh and score 10 points and lose. In that sense, the yes, winner sir. of the competition is the loser of the competition because week two you got the Rams. Right. And and it's like, or is it going to be one of these? Man, Trey looks great. Trey looks great. Trey looks great. Oh, Trey's gets gets a start in Pittsburgh. They get annihilated. T.J. Watt sacks him five times, and then all of a sudden, you know what? We're going to Sam. 
in week two. And then there's so going to be a lot of people. wasted your time with your quarterback competition, right? You just, so now your quarterback competition gave you a false result. You went with the wrong quarterback. Now you're flipping and flopping. It's like, ah, this could go bad. It could be very, This is why they say if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. Right. No conviction in, in, your, in your most important position. And, and let's be honest here. That, let's just say they lose week one in Pittsburgh. Well, then they're looking at the Rams, then a national TV game against the New York Giants. Another well-coached team that started 6-1 and one last year. They're going to start hot. Well-coached team. You know, then you get Colt McCoy probably in week four against uh, with Arizona. Then you get national TV against Dallas. I'm yep. just saying that this season, it, once it gets started, it's, I mean, it, it's yep. coming fast and furious. So I, all I'm saying is back to the original question of the quarterback competition. Is it is it a facade? Is it legit? Is it going to be clear cut? If it's if it's clear cut, I love it. If it, if you're to me, this team needs to have a quarterback competition, and the it needs to be clear cut to everybody who the number one guy is. Okay, but what if we we see a quarterback competition and we don't get a clear cut number one? Then you've got a very volatile month of September staring you in the face. There's, I feel like there's only two good results for the Niners here. Brock Purdy comes back. No, for the beginning of training nails. camp, yeah. he's fine. And they're like, you know what? Forget that quarterback competition. Brock's our guy. That's a good result for the 49ers. Or at least it's decisive. If, it's clear. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have a quarterback now. Or Brock's not ready, and Trey gets an opportunity, and he just destroys it. He's great. Right. And they say, you know what? We don't need a quarterback competition. Trey's looking good. Sam, thank you very much. You're our backup. If that, if neither of those things happen and they're going back and forth between Darnold and Trey and one day they're like, oh, Darnold looks great. Oh, Trey looks great. Like now neither one look good. Like that's all bad. And if that's, if that's what happens, I'm thinking this is a team that could, you know, have another 2010 season. 2020, yeah. 2020 is what I'm trying to say. 2020. And what if, what if one of the, what if one of these quarterbacks, let's say all three of them play. Okay, because it sounds like they at least Shanahan. Last thing I heard him say was that he thinks Brock, Brock could be back by training camp. Let's just say that is the case. Let's say one of these quarterbacks is just atrocious. Then what? Do they do they cut Sam Darn? Let's say it's Sam Darnold. Do they cut him. They cut him and go with the uh, kid from Arkansas, the number three guy, and say you have that to get Jay's permission on that, and then Jay would have to get his mom's permission because that's throwing away three and a half million dollars. They threw away two million dollars on. On Sudfeld. This yeah. is almost twice that. So, I mean, it's, it's up to the Yorks. Like, I'm sure you could if that's the right football decision, but you, you have to get, a, you know, the clearance from the, from the Yorks. And, and to their credit, they've pretty much said yes on every single thing Kyle's asked them to pay for. Uh, you want the top the D tackle? NFL, yeah. I mean, the NFL has unbelievable revenues. That's why. Because they, they have all kinds of revenue coming in. Right. So, yeah. Right. I mean, you want... But, get rid of uh, Chip again, Kelly's like, entire coaching staff. No problem. We'll cut the check. Get out of here. Sure. But to your point, like they went through a bunch of quarterbacks last year. I think it's probably worth three and a half million dollars for them to have a third string quarterback is the way I look at it. Yeah. But I mean, a good what, one. What, what and what if what if uh, Trey comes out and Sam Donald's way better? What if Sam Donald's just way better than Trey? Then what? They I guess I didn't plan for that. I, I just don't see they, that. They with trade Sam. To Trey me, Lance like Rappaport is referenced or is that? Is that Rappaport. was that all? Boy, is that guy not know what's going on? Um, Either Rappaport's going to look really good or really bad, right? It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. That guy has done a lot of spec. He's speculating like us, but he's acting like he knows, but he doesn't. And his track record of talking about the Niners the last two years is terrible. So I, I, I we wouldn't don't take know that from- he doesn't. Know. We we suspect he doesn't know. But what if he does know, Grant? 
What if all of a sudden he gets? If he what knew, if, what if he what would if say that he has sources at the at the deadline? But he hasn't said that there's a source. It's all speculation. No. And he, yeah, you're right. He, so it's like, well, it's it's like okay, man. I, I don't it's been very specific, hasn't it been? I mean, Larry, it's been Larry's better specific. at speculating than Ian. Yeah, but he's terrible at it. You you are much better at speculating and reading. His ability to read tea leaves is subpar. I gotta say, it's subpar. Yours is excellent. His, well, I thought he'd be dealt by draft day, and I was wrong. So, well, you you were putting a little too much stock in Ian. I think that's. I want to yeah, say that. I really was. I want to say that. I really Ian. Was. Ian's leading people astray. Anyway, so it's possible that <laughs> Sam Darnold has a great camp, but to me, like the thing with Darnold is, you're hoping he can have like a Alex Smith uh, rebirth, where like he's not a franchise quarterback, but he might be a game manager. Although I know Kyle saying that he has franchise like qualities. Yeah, whatever. I just want to see uh, Darnold even just practice because I've heard so many things about how great he looks and I've watched him a ton and I don't think he looks great. So no. I'm really no. eager to see either I'm right or all these other people are right because we both can't be right. I, look, take this to the bank. All right. We've seen enough of Sam Darnold. This is who Sam Darnold is. He's a guy on the 49ers. You put the, the best situation around him possible. You can trust him for maybe two games. Two. That th three games, bad Darnold's coming. He's going to find a way to lose a game, and you can look at his stretch, the four and two stretch. There was some bad football there. You can trust him for maybe two games, but he is a, he's a loser. He finds ways to lose games. He's been doing it a long time. He's a backup quarterback. I wouldn't trust him for an extended stretch. But that's what he backups are. He reminds me of a starting pitcher the Giants used to have named Brett Tomko. And everybody loved Brett Tomko. Why? Because he was a nice guy. He gave all these nice interviews, and he was 6'5", and he threw 95. And so it was like, but then I was talking to a couple hitters, and they're like, you know, guess what? When you've been in the league for four or five years and you suck as a pitcher, yeah. most of the guys coming to the plate have good numbers against you. So they yeah. step into the box with tremendous confidence. Yeah. And that's the same thing about defenses facing Sam Darnold. They step yeah. into the game with tremendous confidence that they can, you know, uh, pick off passes and beat licking Sam their chops. Yeah, because they've done it. They've done yeah. it before, and they all have oh, yeah. all, they have that muscle memory of, oh yeah, I picked this guy off and at MetLife two you. years ago. I know you. Yeah, yeah. you're terrible. Right. Fita says, doesn't matter what Corby, what quarterback they put in, they have the uh, the most quarterback friendly system and all the weapons on offense that it'd be hard to mess up and not win. Even a mediocre quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo can take that team to a Super Bowl. Well, I guess twenty nine, we'll uh, nine and twenty nine. That's right. How quickly we not, forget every not quarterback not named Jimmy was nine and twenty nine pre Brock. That's right. I mean, Trey's had some struggles. I mean, uh, so we'll see. Matthew Four Sanders says last everybody. four thousand yard quarterback on the Niners was Garcia. Is the next four K quarterback on the roster right now? Matty Ice did it with Kyle, so I'm not buying. He's not interested in it. I mean, if one could stay healthy, you had to stay healthy to throw yeah, four thousand yards. You got to. I don't know that. That's a good question, Matthew. We got to make up some time though. Let's talk blitzing. This is something that Steve Wilkes wants to do more of blitz, and it sounds great. It always sounds good. Be aggressive. Yeah, blitz. But we're talking about the yeah, we're talking about the number one defense in the league, and there's always a you know, it's always a downside to anything you decide to do on a football field. And when you blitz, you put a lot of pressure on the defensive backs uh, to cover guys who are really good man to man. You cover them without committing penalties and without giving up touchdowns <laughs> what do you think is this good for uh Traverius Ward and Diamond Lenore and Talanoa Funga 
Well, it's hard to say because, you know, like Luter, for example, if you want, if you, you know, the South Alabama tape, it was pretty clear that they played uh, a myriad of coverages opposite Luter, but Luter played press man. Luter played press man on the boundary receiver and used the sideline as an extra defender and was locked up in man coverage. Now, was can good he at play? It. Can he, and he was good at it. Now, yeah. and when we ask Wilkes about, um, you know, hey, you you asked him, I think, you know, I mean, yeah. are you leaning towards more man coverage? And he's like, well, you know, it's nice to have guys who have the ability to play man. What he won't mm-hmm. say, but I'll say, is if if you don't match up, you play zone. If you do match right. up, you ha- you have the ability to play man or zone. Right. I think they they want the ability to play man or zone. They've been a zone heavy team because they haven't had the bodies who, who can actually play man to man. Talented coverage. corners to do it. You really do. Now Luter's there now. Jair Brown's there. Um, my Javarius guy Ward's quite says, talented. Isaiah Oliver can play man. Yeah, out of the slot in the nickel. Yep. So yes, he can. That's why um, he's here. So yeah, I mean, I think they're I think they're they're subtly or not so subtly moving from a defensive backfield that had to play zone to a defensive backfield that will play predominantly zone, a ton of cover 3 if if Wilkes does what here what he did elsewhere, but I think you're also going to see him mix in a lot of a lot of man-to-man coverage and he feels like he's got the guys to do it. I think Oliver, Charvarius, Womack, um Luter, Jair Brown. I think these guys can all play, play, um, play man. As far as Lenore, Hartsfield, you know, some of these other guys, Tayshawn, I don't know. I don't know how much these guys can play man. So it's going to, I also think it's going to be interesting because they, I don't, you know, if you, if you play man to man coverage, you better play it well. Otherwise, you're going to get picked apart. True. Another thing here, though, I feel like, it's not just that these DBs are going to be playing more man-to-man coverage. They're going to be blitzing more, too. It's not just the linebackers who are going to be blitzing. Why did they trade up for Jair Brown? What does he do that Tashawn Gibson doesn't do? Blitz? I mean, essentially, in, in the future, what, this, what Steve Wilkes is going to have is two safeties where either one on any given play he could bring down in the box and have be a, a blitzing threat off the edge. Hafunga or Brown. I think that's good. So you have all these pass-rushing threats from non-traditional positions which is, I mean, it should help. And then I think what a big Achilles heel has been the mobile quarterback against this defense. And I think what D'Amico and Sala think is like, well, if we play, if we rush four and play zone coverage, like that's good against a mobile quarterback because we have all these zone defenders with eyes on the quarterback, but it hasn't played out that way. They still get sort of, they drop so far back, they give up first downs. I think when you rush five and you play man coverage, yeah, you have guys chasing and they're not looking at the quarterback but it's hard to get out of the pocket when you rush five. It's really hard. If people are somewhat disciplined in their rush lanes, it's hard to get out of the pocket when you rush five. And I think the best way to stop a quarterback from scrambling is to keep him in the freaking pocket. So I think it's going to be good. I think it's going to be good. As that long as they don't commit more. a bunch of penalties. Well, I mean, it's, it, it's definitely going to speed things up. It's going to speed things up. It's going to speed up quarterbacks. They're going to make decisions yep. faster. It's going to, you know, now if the, if the one thing that we saw the last couple of years that was really impressive is that the Niners, all three levels of their defense was kind of tied together. And I give mm-hmm. D'Amico a ton of credit and, and Kosarek a ton of credit because it's a hard thing to do. You know, you're going to, you're on downs where you're sending extra guys and you know, the ball's coming out. Their DBs were rotating over quickly and making, you know, making anticipatory plays. I mean, uh, Jimmy Ward was great at it before him. Um, uh, K one was great at it. Um, and, and we'll see if Oliver can be as equally, 
uh, you know, good at that. Cause that, that's the key. I mean, if you're, if you're going to send blitzes and you're going to blitz linebackers, somebody's going to have to, you know, replace where that guy came from because everybody knows the way you beat the blitz is you throw in behind it. So if somebody blitzes from the right side, you throw into the right side, you throw behind it. Now the Niners are great at rotating this last year. I thought they were incredible where their defense was clearly all tied together and the timing was perfect. Now with a new coordinator and some new faces in the secondary, can they can they be that tied together? I think that's one of the things I'm looking for early. Well, it, the blitzing should work if the corners are good. If the corners can play press man coverage effectively for like two seconds, maybe two and a half, that's all it really without committing a penalty. That's all it really takes because, like you said, the quarterback is going to want to get rid of the ball quickly. So don't play zone. Don't give them a bunch of quick open throws. Take away the slants. Take away all the quick throws and make the quarterback stand in the pocket and look around and see which wide receiver won. You don't know who's going to win. Someone might. Someone might not. And I think that's going to help the whole defense. It's actually going to give Nick Bosa and the Blitzers a chance to hit the quarterback. I think it's going to make it a better... I don't know. seems to work in my mind. Why would you not play man-to-man coverage if you have that pass rush? It seems like it only supercharges the pass rush. Zone kind of saps the pass rush if it's. And I, I, I love the idea of blitzing Hafanga because I think yeah. he's he, he one he gets there two he he'll you know there's no hesitation he'll read it early he'll get an extra step the one, my only fear with Hafanga is we saw it a lot late in the year he falls off of he falls off of yeah. tackles sometimes if he yeah. and if if you're gonna blitz a guy man if he falls Can't off happen. that tackle that's a nightmare. So it is a nightmare. Uh, I, so I think you're going to see it a lot with Brown as well because he didn't fall off those tackles. Jacor Pearson, rookie yeah. minicamp, tryout player, not on the team. He lit it up. We talked about it, and then someone leaked a, a video of him just absolutely torching. I believe it was another uh, tryout guy, but super fast. He was the XFL leading receiver. I'm surprised he's not on a roster right now. I'm surprised the Niners haven't signed him already. Do you think they should? Do you think they will? They're so stacked at receiver, but I would. I based on what I saw, um, I would cut Daz Newsome or Shea Wyatt and and go with that kid. Um, now Jim Hazlitt, who coached him in the uh, XFL, said that he thought he was going to run four two eight, and he ran four four two. So he and if you watch him, he doesn't look four two eight, but he is fast and and he can gain separation down the field. And man, Ole Miss has had a real hot run of receivers, um, and this kid, you know, played his final year at Ole Miss. So, I, you know, it it just it's it really depends on the, what we're talking about is do you want to put somebody else in camp to take Danny Gray's spot? Because the there's the two vertical threats they have here are Danny Gray and Ray Ray McLeod. So if you sign J. Cor Pearson, then you're basically saying that. You know, he's competing against those two guys for probably one spot. So I, I like it. I like it. I, to me, if you don't have deep speed, you can't have the ability to run off the coverage. It's a major element of play calling. Um, and you don't know what you're going to get out of Danny Gray. I like Danny Gray, and I think he, he's going to be – I think he's going to win the job over Ray Ray and, and probably over J. Cor Pearson. But you know what? J. Cor Pearson also has played – Running back, you know, slot receiver. He can play inside, outside. He can be used on special teams. Uh, there's a bunch of different uses. So, to me, it's a speed game. And if, if you can have a difference-making speed guy, um, I'd rather invest in that than Shea Wyatt or Daz Newsom. 
Yeah, I mean, physically, or he Isaiah reminds Winstead, me of, for that matter. Yeah, physically, he reminds me of Taylor Gabriel, who was a really good wide receiver under Kyle Shanahan in Atlanta. Yeah, um, and small. yeah, like he's small, but he was just in the XFL. He just produced at a professional level. And you could bring him in, like Daz Newsom. Like, what has Daz Newsom ever done? He was pretty good at North Carolina. He's one catch in the NFL. Would he be the leading receiver in the XFL if he? I mean, is that is he that professional? Could he pull that off? I, I feel like this is the kind of guy. If you put him in a training camp, he'd win, he would beat out a lot of guys who might seem more talented than him. I think he's absolutely worth a a spot, and I think it's too bad that a team hasn't signed him already. Like, what, what are you doing? Well, I you know this it's funny. I, driven. I I, I've been uh, tweeting back and forth with uh, J Core, and he said to me that yesterday was the first day that XFL players could sign. Oh, so maybe okay. that's what's going on as far as the cool. delay. Um, but cool. and based on what I saw, he was better than Daz Newsom. So I would definitely give him Daz Newsom's ninety-man spot. But I mean, I'm not. It's not saying he's going to make the team. But I'll say this. Kid's quick. He's got hands. He's got run after the catch ability. He ran across the middle of the field and his college highlights without a lot of peaking and drops. So I think he's the real deal. Now he's fought. He's tiny. I mean, he's five, seven and yeah. I don't know, 165, 175. He's not very big, but um, he's exciting. He's exciting. And and Kyle, the number one thing you ask Kyle Shanahan, what's the number one thing he likes about receivers? He looks for separation. And this kid gives you separation. Also, he, I love that he played in the XFL. I love kids or young men who don't make it in the NFL and don't just give up. And yeah. they love because it shows that they love football. Right. It shows right. that they really love football. And that's the culture the 49ers have built here. And the guys who don't fit in are the guys that may not necessarily love it the way everyone else does, the way Kyle does. He seems like a perfect fit. That's Bring a great point. Yeah. I don't think people realize how many guys are actually in the NFL, not because they love football, but just because they're good and they're blessed yeah. with incredible athleticism. Yeah. But you're right. And they want to make if money. You, if you play secondary football, you love football. And so that's Ask I, Eric Crocker. CFL. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I saw it when I worked in the Canadian League. Those guys loved football. And yeah. they lo- and and you play NFL Europe, you love football. You play XFL, you love football because you're not making yeah. a lot of money. You're still yeah. risking paralysis. And yet you're out there throwing your body around because you love the game and you love to play. And you're competing and you're improving. Like Those guys are better. He's better than he was at Ole Miss. Is Daz Newsome better than he was at North Carolina? I don't know. Probably not. So, yeah, I mean, come on. Come on, Niners. You got to bring these guys And that's a good point, too. In these secondary leagues... They're passing leagues. CFL's yeah. a passing league. They're you know third down is for is you know there's only three downs. So you're everything's about passing. And these XFL leagues, these secondary football leagues, a lot of times it's about passing to try to get people excited. So who develops in a passing league? Corners and wide receivers. And it's like seeing Jacor Pearson in person, it was obvious why he didn't why he's on the team. Like he just looks out of place. But then watching him compete and perform, it's like mm, no, he needs to be here. He needs to be right. here. Oh, he's an he he is an NFL caliber athlete, and I you oh, yeah. know there's no doubt in my mind about that NFL caliber competitor. I hope he gets his opportunity. Um, who are the players under the most pressure to perform this off season, this year? How, what do you think? I think there's a lot of pressure on the offensive side of the ball. You know, let's take yeah. a few of them here. I, we already mentioned one, Danny Danny Gray. 
Uh, Danny Gray is, you know, he, he, they, the Niners need deep speed, but guess what? They got Ray Ray McLeod and he mm -hmm. is a good return guy. So they don't need Danny Gray. So even though he was a third round pick, he's under tremendous pressure to play and play well. Mm -hmm. uh, he's one for sure. Um, I think the tight ends, the incumbent tight ends, Charlie Warner and Ross Dwelly, I think they're under tremendous pressure. You just drafted oh, yeah. Cameron Latu in the third round. And Braden Willis, I thought, was one of the more impressive guys in minicamp. And, you know, Charlie Warner is a try-hard blocker, but he doesn't move anybody in the run game on the line of scrimmage. No, so doesn't. that's not good. And then Dwelly is a receiver, but is he as good a receiver as Willis? No. And is he as good know. a blocker as Willis? No. I don't know. So, so I, those I guys are there for those jobs. Yes. And then Ty Davis-Price. I think there's tremendous pressure on Ty Davis-Price. Why? Because the, they, oh. the Niners have draft, have, uh, you know, obviously they've got, McCaffrey going nowhere, Mitchell, who they love, Jordan Mason, who's clearly, clearly um, an NFL player, and they're not cutting mm -hmm. him. And then and in this camp, they've got two different guys now. They got Kalen Laburn and Ronald Awat, and both of them yeah. look good. So yeah. I, I would say those, I, I would say Ty Davis Price is under some pressure. Um, I, I, I know, that, I know this is going to sound, sound crazy because a lot of people would be like, dude, you're totally wrong. But I think Juszczyk is under some pressure. He makes a lot of money. You got a legitimate fullback now, and Coletto, who can play a bunch of roles. They could they could definitely save money by switching off a fuse check for Coletto. Now it wouldn't be popular, and I don't think it would be a smart move. But you know, there's some pressure on Hughes check for the first time. He's actually got they actually have a legitimate backup um, at his spot. Um, and then I, I would say Ambry. I would say on Ambry for sure on defense. Um, and then. And I would also say all those special teams linebackers, Curtis Robinson, Demetrius Flanagan Fowles, and um, and uh, Oren Burks, who was signed last year. All three of those guys are really good special team linebackers. But D. Winters, Marcelino McCrary Ball, and Jalen Graham might be guys who can play from scrimmage. And guys who can play from scrimmage generally get prioritized over special teams linebackers. So I would say all three of those special teams linebackers I, I, I think that that competition is going to be intense um, because they're, they're all good. They're all NFL caliber and they're all going to be on NFL rosters, whether it be here or somewhere else. Love it. Um, you missed the biggest one. Who's that By far? It's not even close. Trey Lance. Are you kidding? Every step he takes is going to be every move he makes is going to be <sighs> scrutinized. This is the biggest year of his life. I mean, yeah. this, he's, he's fighting for his career with the 49. Not his career. But his career with the 49ers, like, he's gotten written off faster than any quarterback ever drafted in the top three. He's got one more chance uh, because of a UCL injury to show that he can be special on this team or that he can be viable on this team. And, you know, they're not anointing him. He's got to earn it. Uh, he's been with Patrick Mahomes. He seems like he's very, we don't see him making it rain. We don't see him making it flurry. There is no, you know, unseemly videos going out. It seems like he's, sort of understands the gravity of the situation. And even if he puts his best foot forward, it might not be good enough anymore. So very interesting position that Trey Lance is in. That's not who I thought you were going to say. I mean, there's definitely pressure on Lance for sure. I just kind of have him in his own category. I thought you were going to say Javon Kinlaw because I think Kinlaw is under oh, a lot of pressure here. I mean, true. you heard uh, Wilkes you know, say, hey, man, Kinlaw's been here every day. Well, why has he been there every day? Because he knows. This, this is it. This is, this is it. Um, and they and, have, and, and like Trey, they guys. brought in his replacement. They've already sort of moved on, even though he's still on the team. So one last opportunity to prove him wrong. 
I will say this too. There were two guys that really opened my eyes in, um, in the last few weeks. One was when I watched film of this kid, Marlon Davidson, who they signed at Auburn, who's 300 pounds, but played defensive end at Auburn. I mean, mm. this guy's a real interior rusher. So mm. that's what Kalia Davis is. That's what Givens is. You know, that's kind of where the NFL's going now in the interior. T.Y. McGill's more of a one-gap penetrator. So, I mean, like, do they go with another rusher like Davidson over, over Kinlaw? They're very loaded there. The other guy that, now granted, I was two fields away, and maybe I'm biased because I interviewed this kid and I really like him, but Spencer Wagey is an unbelievably awesome mover at 300 pounds. And I watched it, you know, I didn't have my binoculars, but I'm, I was on the far field. I was on the closer up field. He was on the far field working out with the D lineman. And I was watching some of those drills. And Grant, I mean, I know, you know, it's their, their, their mini camp, rookie mini camp drills, no pads. No, I mean, you know, I mean, nothing's meant less. But this kid, his, his movement ability at 300 pounds, and he tore up the knee two years ago. He didn't even have a sleeve on it. He had nothing on his knees. He was moving like, he was moving like a guy who's 260 and he's 300 pounds. So I, all I got to say is that D line room with Kalia Davis, Marlon Davidson, Spencer Wagey, all really good movement guys, all around 300 pounds. I, those three guys, I got to, those guys are going to be fun to watch this summer. Ramilia Sports Report says year seven Kyle's bar, still NFC Championship game, not Super Bowl with these quarterbacks. That's the thing. Like, we look at where the Niners stack up in the NFC because there aren't a lot of great quarterbacks in the NFC. But if the Niners were in the AFC, I don't know where they would stack up. There's some great teams with some great quarterbacks over there. And I just don't see how you go, how you take them down with, um, I don't know. But I don't know. I guess we'll see. We don't know. We'll I mean, we, you're right, though, as far as who's the best team the in the league right now? Uh, Kansas City. I want to be a, a contrarian and say Cincinnati because they took Orlando Brown. The That's starting fair. left tackle for Kansas City right now is Donovan Smith. That can't happen. Donovan Smith will never be. Did he win a Super Bowl? He all he did win a Super Bowl, didn't he? But He's Cincinnati terrible. didn't Cincinnati still allow a bunch of sacks last year? They may have. Um, they have Orlando Brown, but you know Ted Karras is at center. Alex Kappa. They, are they going to trade Bowl. Jonah Williams? There's a lot of talk they're going to trade Jonah Williams. Yeah. I got to put Kansas City. I think Kansas, yeah. to me, Kansas Those City, are, I mean, yeah. you got Isaiah yeah. Pacheco. You've got, yeah. you know, the one thing about Kansas City is they well, went hard, from, man. they went from Juju Smith-Schuster and Tyreek Hill to now their starting receivers are Sky Moore, Kadarius Tony, and Marquez Valdez-Scantling. So maybe. And they got freaking Donovan Smith, who I think led the league in holding penalties last year in the starting for Tampa. I don't really know. Good like they the one thing back. about Kansas City's really they got the as good a tight end as there is. They got the best quarterback. They, they got one they of the do. best running backs. And their interior three of Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith Great. stacked. Great. And they've got Chris Jones. Andy but, Reed. Yeah. Andy Reed. And and some great, I mean, a lot of speed. Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, Legarius Sneed. You know, Justin Reed was great for them last year. But I would I would say Kansas City. That was a good signing. Um, I who, my question Buffalo. to you would be: Who's the who's the third best team in the NFC? If the nine, if it goes, if it goes, Eagles one, Niners two. 
Who's the third See, best? I feel team like in the I, I want to say Dallas on paper, but I don't believe in Mike McCarthy, and I do believe in Pete Carroll. I think he's a really good coach. I feel like Seattle, even though they're young, that's a team that could be the third best team in the NFC. But my question for you is, what's the fourth best team in the AFC? Fourth best after Buffalo. Fourth best team in the AFC. Um, so you got Kansas City, Cincinnati, Cincinnati Buffalo, Buffalo. Yeah. Um, is it the Jets is it the Dolphins, is it the Ravens. God, man, it's so that is so hard to say. It's a tough I one. would say, I would say, and now this is going to be, you know, this is uh, ordering off the menu. But I'm going to go Jets, with yeah. I'm going to go with Anthony Richardson and the Colts. I just I really believe it. that Anthony Richardson is it. a superstar in the making. The Colts have mm-hmm. Michael Pittman, Alec Pierce, Isaiah McKenzie. They got some pretty decent receivers. They just Jonathan Taylor up Josh Downs. Jonathan Taylor. They're going to the lead the league in rushing. They're going to lead the league in rushing. You know, I think Richardson is going to be the guy, but they got Gardner Minshew there too. Um, and then on defense, you know, Ebukam comes over to that line. You have Ebukam Buckner. Quitty pay. Uh, they they drafted that kid at a barre from Northwestern, who's just a ridiculous monster. And then you know uh, they 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 start, they they drafted Ju- uh, Julius Brents from K State, huge corner. Um, they've got some they've got some nice players. Kenny Moore's a good nickelback. Then they 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 signed uh, they drafted Darius Rush out of South Carolina. They got some you know they got some interesting DBs. So I I'm gonna say. I'm going to say that somehow um, Anthony Richardson gives them a dynamic weapon on offense and that he beats out Minshew and I'll say the Colts. The reason I thought the Jets are interesting, I mean, the, the Dolphins are interesting, they added Fangio and Jalen Ramsey, although I think Fangio is more important. And then the Jets, like, what does going from Zach Wilson and Mike White to Aaron Rodgers do? It's going to be interesting, but... That's why they and, play the games. And, and we already told you about all the rest, right? And we talked about that at the beginning. They have right. a ton of rest. That could help. Yeah. Yeah. The Dolphins yeah. is in, the Dolphins are an interesting team. I hadn't really thought about the Dolphins because not only do the Dolphins already have big time speed, but they just they they drafted A Kane from A and M, who's like ridiculously fast. They also added Elijah Higgins from Stanford, and they're playing him at tight end, and he could be ridiculously mm-hmm. fast. So I kind of like that. I can more I think about that. I kind of like the Miami. Dolphins. Um, They're just like I mean, the Niners. Like, are they going to have a million injuries? Eh, well, also they have Jalen Ramsey now. Yeah, and you still have Javon Holland, who's as good a you know. And you got Xavier and Howard. They got a great secondary. Um, I don't know Javon if they got enough up front. I don't know if they got enough up eh, front. We'll see. Larry, I got to run. This was a good, good stuff, show. Man. Glad we could do it uh, on a Tuesday instead of a Monday like we normally do. What do you got going on the rest of the day? Uh, the rest of the day, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be joining uh, Vish Kumaran on the Vish Kumaran extravaganza tonight at nice. 645. And then I'm going to watch a little little Lakers Nuggets, rooting for the Nuggets. Are you rooting for the Lakers? Is that what I got? I could care less, but I'm going to be watching that game, having a couple friends over. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued to watch... AD versus Jokic. I feel like that's a pretty classic matchup. It's gonna be fun to watch. Oh, it's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Yeah. I'm rooting for Denver, though. I'm rooting rooting for Denver. Um, but yeah, a lot of you know, mini camp will be here next week. You know, now post Warriors. I you know, I did a little post game Giants last night, but it's just not the same. The Giants are just so sleepy and 
It's just, you know, there's not a lot to talk about there. I need more. They're just not good enough. They're just not, you know, Kapler. How many times can you rip Kapler? How many many times can you say that? Yeah. Oh, well. Well, go check out Larry. I'll be back tomorrow. See you guys then. Have a good one.